Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. This is the John Oakley Show podcast. I am concerned about the rise of any group of hate. I don't like it. Any group of hate, I am, whether it's white supremacy, whether it's any other kind of supremacy, whether it's Antifa, whether it's any group of hate, I am very concerned about it, and I'll do something about it. No, I don't think my rhetoric has at all. I think my rhetoric is a very, uh, it brings people together. Our country is doing incredibly well. There you have it. Donald Trump loves doing his uh, scrums right by the blades of the helicopter. It is his thing. But there you go. Uh, Speaking, of course, right before he took off uh, to visit both cities where both the uh, mass shootings were over the weekend. And, of course, he's asked for calm and unity. But when Donald Trump asks for anything, you generally get protests and hysteria. And he just touched down in El Paso where, yes. He was greeted by protests. Let's get to the fun part of the show when we get some truth and common sense. And for that, we welcome our weekly visit with Mark Stein, international best-selling author, the jewel of my mother's eye, the crush of my mother's life, and the host of the Mark Stein Show. Hello, Mark. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. My that's mom is I, listening. Uh, oh, I love Mark Stein. I always, I, used, I had that on an Australian tour a mm. couple of years ago. Everywhere I, I went, the uh, these, uh, like... Uh, Old ladies? Attra- no, no, oh. attractive co-eds would oh. come up and say, mm. oh, my grandmother's <laughs> a really big fan of yours. <laughs> well, my mom is hot, if that helps. So if you're single, oh, oh, she'd be available. And she's smart, Okay, <laughs> okay. okay. That's, uh, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll t- I'm just writing that down, actually. Okay, I'll, perfect. Uh, I'll, I'll set I'll it up a, after. Mom, mom, I got tomorrow. you in with Mark Stein. Okay, a uh, couple of things. And I, I'm dying to get to the second topic with the um, BC transgender issue because I'm dying to get your thoughts on it. But let's start with Trump. Obviously, uh, he's in El Paso. He's gone to visit both sites uh, this um, day of where there were mass shootings, and of course, you know, you get mass hysteria. Is it enough that he says that he's now taken a stance against? White supremacy, neo-Nazism. He did throw in Antifa there as well, but uh, this will probably not be enough. Well, I don't think these are good faith objections. I think what you have on the the Democrat side is you've got almost two dozen presidential candidates, uh, many of whom are stalled around one, two, three percent. They're barely statistically detectable. Uh, and so for some of them, it's too good an opportunity to resist, to tie Trump to uh, the Texas shooting, the Ohio one, appears to have been done by an Elizabeth Warren fan, just as the attack on the uh, congressional baseball team was done by a Bernie Sanders supporter. I don't actually think... Uh, in I, I, we, are, we have agency. We are human beings with free will. And I never think that the, atti- the, the answer to more violence is less speech. I'd cause to say that to uh, the House of Commons in Ottawa a, a couple of months back, and I, and mm-hmm. I mean that. Yeah. And I think it's very disturbing the way the reflex after these kinds of mass shootings 
is somehow to attempt to constrain people's speech. I don't believe it's a good faith argument. And actually, I think a lot of the stuff that's going on right now is the most pitiful kind of political dinner theater. It's one of the reasons people despise politics uh, is because we are not seeing good faith arguments uh, made in response to this. Yeah, well, we have um, leaders based on ideology, and that that's the problem, and it's not really helping the middle class who are told that they'll be helped. You know, they're the ones wondering, well, when does, when does the hope and hard work actually pay off? It does not. But Trump's, No, but that's, yeah. actually, that's actually a very good point, because... See, Mom? Well, yeah. No, it's an excellent <laughs> point because we actually have, uh, particularly in the United States, but to a lesser degree elsewhere in the Western world, we have an increasingly hysterical, hyper-partisan political discourse that actually isn't related to terribly much that's real. I mean, in Washington, it doesn't matter whether you elect Republicans or Democrats, uh, the debt still spirals up out of control and uh, illegal immigrants still pour across the border. So oddly enough, the sort of fevered insanity of the political discourse uh, is in, is in, increasingly bears no relation whatever to anything that's actually happening in terms of public policy. Yeah. And so what is the answer? What will Trump do? I don't know what he can do. You know, Americans are not going to lay down their weapons. I don't know. I don't know what you, you how you fix this. But um... no. And, and I think and I think actually everyone understand. Well, you know, as I think about it, I, I happened to have to go to Las Vegas uh, a few months ago and I wound up staying in that hotel where mm-hmm. the mass shooter were. That that was an incredible act. And it was just sort of flushed down the memory hole. Yeah. Nobody actually knows why that guy did it. Uh, what his motivations were, or, or whatever. And precisely because uh, he acted like a private contract killer, people couldn't uh, leap onto the, uh, the, the the mass murder as an excuse to ride it uh, to their favorite bugbear. And I don't think these are good faith discussions, good faith arguments, uh, and and it, it's a horrible thing to say, but uh, th- there is a sense that, uh, that a lot of the uh, reaction, particularly from these Democrat candidates, is uh, is just going through the motions. Yeah, unfortunately, they've only had four years to find someone competent, just one person in a population of 350 million, and they mm-hmm. achieved uh, not to do that. Um, I do want to get your thoughts on this. I don't know if you've heard this story. It's certainly not getting a lot of play in Canada. Uh, we've covered it here. A few others have. Uh, but it is getting noticed around the world. I mean, Ricky Gervais was like, what the hell is going on? It's now a right. human right to get your... Junk waxed. I mean, I don't. I, it sounds funny, but this for our listeners who might not be uh, familiar with it. There's a human rights tribunal, and it's the sixteenth time that this person, Jonathan, now who goes by Jessica Yaniv, uh, has taken a female esthetician to the tribunal um, because he truly and fundamentally believes that businesses or women must wax the junk uh, if even if they're yes. not trained or they don't know what it is but and then you look into this kind of deeper and this person seems to target you know immigrants and uh you know women but more than that you know he's been accused now of of you know kind of predatorial behavior with 12 year olds and 14 year olds so here we go into that murky kind of gray area where i don't think the lgbtq community should be very happy about this that this is going on because it doesn't represent them and i think we're, we're into a danger zone here well, absolutely. I think, as you say, real real people have lost their businesses over this because a lot of these women, for example, uh, that uh, this person, Jessica Yaniv, has gone and demanded 
that uh, they uh, wax uh, male genitalia when that's not what they do. Their home businesses, operated by individual women out of their homes, they've been put out of work. Now, the reason they've been put out of work is because the British Columbia Human Rights Tribunal, which is a disgraceful tribunal, they actually put my writing on trial about a decade ago in the Robson Street Courthouse in Vancouver. And as I observed to the television cameras, uh, you have the royal coat of arms behind this troika of awful pseudo-judges, uh, and they ought to have flipped that royal coat of arms upside down because it's the precise inversion of justice mm-hmm. that the British Columbia Human Rights Tribunal, absolutely disgraceful thing, um, uh, ha- and they have encouraged this obviously damaged and disturbed and actually in some ways dangerous individual to ruin the livelihoods of these women. Now, I, I beat the rap with that lousy tribunal because, they, fr- frankly, they didn't dare to have the guts to convict me. Right. Under their stupid law, we were guilty uh, because that's how badly written British Columbia human rights law is. But that tribunal should not exist, and that tribunal shouldn't get a pass uh, for encouraging a litigious uh, a- a predator, in effect, to ruin the livelihoods Uh, of women operating businesses uh, out of their home. Not to mention it crosses so many different areas because there are allegations that, you know, what I mean, he openly or she openly talks about, you know, she wanted an all-day nude swim with children as young as 12, no parents allowed. I mean, that's not... That is not normal behavior that we would... Know. If we heard any other person talk about a young child like that, we would automatically think, okay, child porn or predatorial behavior. Yeah. We are so nervous, though, in society today to call out what seems very obvious because we just don't want to offend, and therefore we are normalizing it. No, well, well the fantastic thing about the transgender movement is they've made everyone terrified uh, to object to this in, in nothing flat. And by the way, they've actually, we're actually changing the nature of uh, the argument here. Back in the old days when we used to say transsexuals and we used to call it a sex change, uh, there was usually some uh, element to align the body parts to that of the sex you were changing into. That's all gone now. Uh, we This uh, particular plaintiff, Ms. Yaniff, uh, asserts that uh, you're not allowed to distinguish if you're in these various uh, beautician-type businesses. You're not allowed to distinguish between uh, female genitalia and male genitalia. We actually had this in Toronto, actually, I think in Hamilton, uh, a of few years ago, yeah. uh, a, 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 about a, uh, a, a somebody who was uh, demanding a, a, a another transgender case about someone who was demanding a labiaplasty. If you if you have to ask, uh, <laughs> listeners, be grateful. <laughs> but it's like, uh, and the guy, and the guy, and uh, when the guy heard uh, that. Uh, uh, the person was uh, transgender. He, the doctor said, well, no, I'd rather not, if you don't mind, because I've got no idea what I'm getting into. We had the same thing in St. Catharines, where somebody uh, was with, uh, again, with male genitalia, claimed to be waiting for the operation and still wanted to use the lady's changing room. Now, these aren't right-wing nutters uh, like me who are, who are getting hauled before the tribunals on this. These are all... The, the, the guy in St. Catharines was someone who donated to the LGBTQ, whatever comes after the second Q, March. <laughs> He'd done all that. He was an impeccable Trudopian liberal, and they still screwed him over. And these are the internal contradictions of the progressive agenda that, in the end, I think, particularly lesbians and particularly feminists... 
Um, they have this whole thing over in the UK, uh, where they, what do they call them? I think TERF, trans-exclusionary radical feminists, who uh, think that asserting that a woman, uh, uh, you, you know, women can now choose as to whether they have uh, penises or the other kind, uh, that, that, that that is not, act, that, that feminists are objecting to that because they think it's a... Uh, uh, effectively a way to deny the point of lesbianism and to die. So all these internal, these are fascinating. I don't have a dog in this fight. Well, I'm happy to sit back and watch it. But the, uh, the, the pseudo courts of these lousy Canadian human rights tribunals uh, should not be getting in on this because there's no societal consensus for it. Indeed. Well, Mark, all I'll say on this note as we uh, wrap things up is if as a woman I'm forced now to perform such tactics, I would say make the wax as hot as possible. <laughs> Yes. Thank you very much. <laughs> okay. Uh, appreciate okay. it, Mark. Thank Don't you. Don't give that tip to your mother for our first date. No, no, please, no, please. no, no, oh, no. <laughs> Not for okay. your first date. All right, Mark. Thank you. Okay. That is uh, Mark lot, Stein, the apple of my mother's eye, joining us today. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.